Hey folks, it's Jeremy. You're listening to Blamo. How we doing? We uh, we all about to have our summer fun. Well, I got a summer rerun. This is true. I don't know what, what are we doing here, but we got a rerun. But this is this is a special one. I'm in the stew, guys. I'm cooking up pods. I'm recording a new season, but you know I'm just not going to leave anyone hanging. So we got a bit of a best of situation going here. You know, th- these are some of my favorite episodes. Actually, is that even true? I don't know. It's almost a lie because I mean they're all kind of my favorites, but this one in particular, it just hits different at times. Uh, I chat with David Keat, the founder of Universal Works, which uh, is a British brand that, like, look, in my opinion, it just brings people together. If you come from, you know, one side of, you know, one particular style or another particular style, you know, and they could be polar opposites. The thing you have in common is that you like Universal Works. I'm dead serious. It's just this brand that kind of uh, is, is simple, but it can be styled really differently. It's very functional. But I love the brand, and this was a special time. I recorded this, uh, I don't know, a while back in London with David. Um, but if you haven't heard it before, enjoy. And if you have heard this before, well, uh, enjoy. We'll be back soon with more new episodes. But here's my chat with David Keat from Universal Works. David Keat, yeah. it's, it's a joy. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I don't know if you know like how, you know, I, the more that I got to learn about you, the more I learned how closely, you know, in some ways that our, our stories and our backgrounds kind of overlap. Okay. Not that I have created universal works, <laughs> but you, you know, um, I, I have been a universal works fan for some time. And one of my favorite parts about your brand is it is like a clothing company brand that every single person I know who has different opinions about clothes the common denominator is that everyone seems to like Universal Works. Wow, that's, that's good news. <laughs> yeah, I I no, I I mean that. Like, it is yeah. some of the most, and I say this with loving admiration. That is a simple, beautiful clothing company. Like, every, you know, and also we'll talk about this later. But the Birkenstock collaboration, mm-hmm. and even just how you guys did the video with the the drummers and the yeah. music and stuff, yeah. unbelievable. It's, yeah, we were very, very proud of that. It was really cool thing that we did i think yeah as you should be it's phenomenal um so i, I want to chat a little bit about like some of your your roots and where you're from and because mm-hmm. i think for me you know you have you have so much authenticity to like your product because you know not only that you know we'll talk about how you you know you were a coal miner at one point and but i mean you like like live and breathe your product almost like th- through a philosophical sense but first off i want to talk to you about corduroy shorts Yep. Green corduroy shorts. Yep. You've been doing your homework. <laughs> yes. So do you, from what I heard from you, this is what set you off on a journey about clothing. Yeah, very much so. Um, uh, I think I've just actually spoken to someone in my office this morning about some corduroy shorts, which is a bit freaky. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the about actually doing some cool corduroy shorts. Oh, but, there you go. Full circle. Um, yeah, full circle. It's <laughs> the, the circle is, is, is now closed. Um <laughs> Uh, as a, I can't remember, seven, eight, nine-year-old, uh, I was given a pair of corduroy shorts to wear to school. Mm-hmm. And knowing that I was going to be the only kid that day, A, in shorts, B, in corduroy, C, in green, uh, it was I was not a happy place for me to be. And I decided at that point I was never going to let my parents choose my clothing ever again. Uh, that's a... That's pretty Ever. interesting at, at that young of an age yeah. to have I mean, that strong I of an age. I knew that this was wrong. 
And within two years, I'd persuaded, two years? Two or three years, certainly, I'd persuaded my parents to give me the money they would have spent buying me clothes. Okay. And I would supplement that with any kind of pocket money or, or allowance or, you know, I was doing the garden, I would do any odd job to earn some money from my family to supplement the clothing money to buy better clothes. And what were the clothes that you were buying instead? Oh, they were, they were just, uh, they'd be from a local market. They'd be, I mean, yeah. it wasn't that I had lots of money or my family had lots of money. I just would spend all that I had mm-hmm. to get the next level of cheap jean as opposed to the lowest level of cheap jean. <laughs> It was more about the choice. It was more about the fact that I could choose it. Right. I didn't want to wear what someone else thought I should wear. I wanted to wear what I thought I should wear. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a sense of empowerment there when you, yeah. you know, in a way, like, especially at that age when you can control how you look to everyone else. Yeah. It's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, of course, um, for us in the UK, certainly, school often comes with a uniform. That's right. And certainly from, for most of us from 11 to 18, we, we have to wear something that we're told to wear. But it's surprising how much you can adapt that if you, if you have the desire. <laughs> right. So you, yeah, you can... You can uh, but you weren't thinking about clothing as a career or anything yet, right? I mean, when, uh, when does no, some of this I don't think I in? knew there was. I came from a, a very... Uh, blue collar, a very working class background. My, you know, my family. I, I didn't know anyone that had been to college, let alone been to to you know had anything that wasn't a job making something. So you know, my my family were carpenters and builders and bricklayers and bakers and plumbers, and mm. they did practical, uh, genuine things, mostly making um, tangible objects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, you know. Uh, as a, you know, my father was a baker, lived in a, you know, we lived in a bakery for much of my uh, formative years, certainly really? till the age of, uh, what would I be, 12, 13, we actually lived at a bakery where my father was the baker. Oh my God. So, you know, it was, it was, but, you know, his father was a carpenter. My, all my uh, mother's side were people who, who did those kind of jobs. They made things. Was there desire for you to, to also be in, in some form of a trade like that? I, I mean, to some extent, I think my family, I think like, like most working class families, they want their children to do better than themselves. Mm-hmm. They, want, they want you to have more earning power, perhaps. Uh, but I don't think their scope was, they didn't expect me to go off and do something I think their expectations were were um, limited to by their own experiences, for sure. Mm. Or their 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 expectations for me, their hopes for me, were limited by their own experiences. Right. So yeah, I guess um, I was I was someone that hated school. Yeah, uh, I had no intention of being in college or university, just because I didn't think it was for me. I didn't like. Being, I wanted to earn money and buy clothes. <laughs> <laughs> go out dancing meet girls you know the stuff that you do when you're or uh you know when you're a, a teenager right. you want to do things you want to have experiences uh, and for me dressing well was part of that so i was very happy to go and get a job um and what was that job uh, i was uh uh i was working 
as a I guess you'd call it uh, sign writing and painting. So I was I was painting signs because I knew I I think my first desire was to be involved with um, what would now be uh, you know a, a graphic artist. You okay. Would be, but a physical one, you know. Uh, well, only because I didn't know there was any other sort. <laughs> right. I didn't have the, the experience. I lived in a small place. I, you know, I was from. Because you're around Nottingham, is that? Where no, no. I was. I was nearer to the west of the centre of the UK in Birmingham, okay. and I, but I wasn't from the big, second biggest city in in the UK. I was from just outside it in a small village, and right. So you know, you had that kind of mentality of. I, uh, it was your expectations were different. I didn't know people who lived in the city. I didn't know people who had the opportunity to go and study at university. I didn't know people who left home and had apartments. I was from a you know a small place with a, a working class family. So I think your your knowledge of these things or my knowledge of it wasn't around at that time. It came later. Right. So you're a sign maker for a bit and you still have this like love for clothes. Yeah. What what happens from there? Because I know, you know, one of the most wonderful things about you is like you were, what, like employee number four at Paul Smith or something? Yeah. I mean, I ought to check those. Uh, I don't know what number I was, but certainly <laughs> in, in the, I'm saying, I'm guessing the single digits for sure. Yeah. Um, I was just uh, still very obsessed with clothing um, and spending my hard-earned money on, yeah. on all of it as one does on clothing uh, and i think the the guy who was running the original portsmouth store uh, who was moving who was leaving town i think he kind of took pity on me and said why don't you come and work here because you're spending <laughs> all your money here and he introduced me to paul and and i convinced paul that i could run a clothes store when i'd never run a clothes store i was a, you know a kid i had no idea but i think but how old are you I guess I was about 21. Okay. Um, and I'd done a million different jobs from being in a coal mine to being a fishmonger to being a draftsman to being a sign writer to being, you know, lots and lots of things. Uh, none of which were uh, obviously keeping my uh, attention much other than um, paying me a salary that I could then spend on clothes. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it seemed like the fitting thing to do is actually go and work in that industry. But I didn't even know it was an industry. It was just where I, you know, it was the things that I loved. I didn't know you could how you made clothes. I didn't know how you designed clothes. I just liked clothes. So it was more of a job, not a career in your head, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely it was, yeah. yes. I didn't think that far ahead. It so was, it was <laughs> it was a job that meant I got really cool clothes quite cheaply. Brilliant. I was happy. Yeah. So what's that like? Because, I mean, this is, you know, Paul Smith now, I mean, it's, you could almost argue it's a bit of an empire. And this is like, you know, the early, early stages and you're running the, running the, 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 the store. Yeah, it was the best education in the apparel industry you could ever have. Uh, yeah. You know, to be a, an, uh, an, uh, not an early stage. I mean, Paul was, was wholesaling his, his right. brand and, and had just opened a store in London. And, um, but the, the company was growing at an incredible rate mm-hmm. menswear was evolving at an incredible rate there wasn't really anything like the maturity of the industry there is now every it felt like every six months we changed we changed direction we grew we uh my own job within the company changed and developed 
so fast that it was an amazing education in retail, in wholesale, in So you're getting to see all the aspects of the business, not just, you know, you're the store manager. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went from, because I was the the keenest kid on the block um, (laughs) and, and was lucky enough to have been successful in retailing mm-hmm. um come and help us with our wholesaling you can sell things yeah um we need someone to help get all these things made i'll do that i'll do anything because i'm excited and interested by it so um i was able to move through the company in literally in, in almost in months but certainly in years through right. the wholesale business retail business the production of clothing yeah and saw the Paul and his team designing products and having to make things that they wanted that they didn't have. They wanted to make it, but they didn't know how to make it. So I had to find someone to make it. They wanted to sell it, didn't know how to sell it. I had to find a way. So I was just part of a team of people, but very young, enthusiastic people. What a great place to learn everything. And Paul was an amazing teacher. I mean, yeah, you know, he is... I still think to a large extent undervalued in, in what he's done in, in the UK and globally. Mm. Yeah. I mean, cause there's definitely, you know, like we were talking about, there's this like empowerment thing that's happening. So similar to what you were doing, you know, almost as a kid, like you're just, yeah, you can do that. I mean, who in your head told you that you could do that? Like, where do you think that came from? Uh, I don't think anyone did. I think um, I, I, do you know, it was, uh, I had a conversation recently with uh, a couple of people and I'm still not convinced I can do it. I just, <laughs> I just think I'm good at blagging it. Uh, uh, I think as a, as a young kind of working class kid and suddenly being involved in this amazing fashion world, yeah, I was just utterly amazed that anyone let me in. I was utterly amazed anyone let me at the table. I mean, how how did this happen? How am I in this, either in this factory telling this guy to make me these trousers or how am I in this amazing salon selling to the best store in Milan? How am I doing any of this? I think I was always so, um, I'm trying to think of a word that isn't as crass as gobsmacked, <laughs> constantly <laughs> gobsmacked, that they let me do this. Yeah. Um, and I think you you you're either born with a certain level of confidence or you're, that level of confidence is educated into you. I don't think I ever had it. I think I just pretended I had it. And it's only when you get a little bit older that you suddenly realize pretending you've got it is as good as having it. Yeah, the whole fake it till you make it. Just exactly, fake it till, you, <laughs> till you've got it, for sure. Because I'm, I still wake up and think, this actually happened to me. Am I actually making my own clothes? Yeah. Wow, who who allowed that to happen? Yeah. So back at Paul Smith, you guys make a workwear collection. Yep. This is like some of the almost some of the pre-universal works, like For sure. vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did that how did that happen? Uh, we we made all of our shirting with one uh, factory, mm-hmm. uh, one one shirt factory. Um, very small, but definitely, you know, more of a factory than a, an artisan maker. And they were going out of business. Um, mm-hmm. Their production was was uh, probably, you know, more expensive than other places. And a lot of production was going offshore. Right. Um, and we bought the factory to to maintain that 
uh, supply for ourselves, as well as I think Paul was very clever that he knew that there was value in ownership of that of that name and that factory and its history. Mm-hmm. It had made clothing and apparel for for several generations, and not just shirts. It would made jackets and trousers. It had been a, a garment maker. Mm-hmm. And he saw the history because he'd visited it enough to understand that the history itself had value and that we should start a new brand given the name of the this original maker and that he would sell that initially in Japan and, and then globally. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was utterly genius and loved it and wanted to be the person that ran it for Paul. Uh, I didn't get that job. Someone else did. <laughs> Uh, much to my disappointment. Was, it, say, um, was that the first time you 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 heard no? Like you didn't get it? Oh uh, yeah, no, it wasn't. No, it was a few things I tried to do that I, that uh, I didn't. I think uh, I was all, Paul always said to me, "But you're really good at what you're doing. I want you to carry on doing that." Um, well, that's reassuring, which was lovely. Uh, but it just I wanted to do something else. I guess. <laughs> you're so bored it wasn't again? what I wanted. Yeah, Dang. I wanted to move on. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he yeah, I think he understood something that maybe 10 years later the world was interested in which was that kind of idea of the of the the factory that produced something being itself a brand ah and at the time those things didn't really exist they did but they were not that the whole heritage thing hadn't happened yeah and the workwear, and the workwear thing hadn't happened so we were making uh, things based on a you know a refuge collector's coat from Westminster mm. uh, because this factory in Derby had made it fifty a hundred years ago. It was genuine. It had real authenticity, and actually, no one cared. Paul got it and really wanted it, and then no one cared. Not even the Japanese at that time cared. They do wow. now, and they did some years later. So as a collection of garments, it was never very successful. Right. Um, should I be saying that? I hope you're not listening, Paul. <laughs> um, but I loved it. And uh, actually, for sure, Universal Works is closely related to it, shall we say. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things like you, you were just so ahead of the game that, you know, people, you know, just, yeah, like you were saying, they just weren't ready. Yeah. I, I think timing is a lot. It's so important, isn't it? People mm-hmm. said to me... Um, when we started Universal Works, what made you start then? You've been doing this for many, many years within the industry for other people. Why Why then did you start your own brand? And I think... I was going to say, I was about to ask you that. <laughs> it just wasn't right before that. I wasn't right. The garments I wanted to make probably wouldn't have been successful. I think timing is in your personal life and your own personal development as well as the garment itself. Yeah. It was a combination of things that came... The timing was a combination of all of those things. Yeah. So how many years did you spend at Paul Smith before Universal Works? Because you did some other stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was with Paul uh, 13, 14 years. I'm not very good at counting. I think that's the problem. (laughs) That's okay. When did that happen? Oh, in the 90s, in the noughties. I can't remember. Um, But no, I was there. I was there, I, I think. About 13, 14 years, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then where do you jump from there? Uh, I went off, I got uh, headhunted by a big UK kind of high street uh, brand that had women's wear that were going to launch men's wear. Okay. 
uh, and then never did. Oh, uh, I think it was just a. I think they were uh, the glamour of having someone from the other side of the industry, the sort of you yeah. know, the more design side, was was had drawn them to to me. Yeah. I probably got sold to them by a headhunter that I was way better than I really was. I don't know um, about that, but okay. And yeah, I, you know, someone offered me a, I, I felt I needed a new challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was um, given a big fat salary and a fat car and a nice mobile phone and come and work for us and off I went. And I lasted about six months before I realized the corporate world wasn't for me. Oof. That's Okay. And uh, yeah, I guess I, I guess it it was gr- in a way looking back, it was great because I realised that that wasn't where I wanted to go. Yeah, but again, it's timing. You know, maybe a few years later, I'd have taken that job and been much better at it, or wanted it more, or it just. I well, do you want it right now? More. Absolutely. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Um, now I'm doing the thing that I always dreamed I would never get the chance to do, and I'm doing it, which is. Working for me. Yeah, because I was going to say, I mean, Universal Works is not this venture capital-backed company. You know, it's not, um, we thought the system was broken, so we fixed it type thing. I mean, there's so much authenticity to the brand, Mm. and the the items are so, like, lovely and simple, and the quality. I mean, it's, Mm. I again, it's it's by far one of my, like, personal favorite brands. Um, yeah, for sure. So what year, what year do you start Universal Works? Uh, we started 10 years ago. We started okay. 10 years. Our first collection was, was winter, uh, 09. So yeah, this is, this is 10 years in, uh, because we started as a, as a business selling to the, to the retail trade. Yeah. So as, a we, whole, you know, wholesaler. as a wholesale. Yeah. Then we started selling in the January of that year. Right, but this autumn, you know, the collection going out fall now is is the first one was ten years ago. So we feel like this is our, our ten year anniversary, right? For sure. Um, even though I guess we're kind of eleven years old in reality <laughs> because we because uh, that's hey, we're, we're not we're not dealing with the numbers yeah, here, right? Exactly. We can't count. You know that already. <laughs> and I mean, when you launched, you you had a very sort of concise core collection, right? I mean, there was just, it wasn't, you know, like you know, yeah, 70 I mean, pieces. You know, I, I had, uh, you know, my, my plan was to never have a plan. Mm. My, uh, my goal was to, was, or, or my, let's say it's not so much a goal as a mission. It's genuinely a mission because I want to dress everyone better. I think I know how everyone should be dressed. Oh, okay. Clearly that's an egotistical uh, crazy idea but I think uh, you know the world's a better happier place when we all feel good and look good yeah um, so I see it more as a mission than anything but I think the originally when we started you know it was totally self-financed mm-hmm. and either I sold my house and 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 my partner wasn't very happy with me or uh, I was able to only make the clothing that, sorry, the samples and the collections that we could afford to make. So we started off with 40 pieces, but that was big enough to be a believable collection within a, a, you know, a a multi-brand showroom. I was lucky enough to put it in a showroom with some other very nice brands and people saw it. So we got uh, nine clients, the first collection. That's huge. Um, and 
I, I said to myself, if I can get 10 stores buying this, it's viable. I've got a, I can run a business because I can't count nine was close enough. <laughs> and off we went. Um, but yeah, the reason it was 40 pieces and not nearer to the 400 it is now is because of the cost. You know, we did it ourselves. So we didn't buy any fabric for two years. We chose fabric that was already on someone's shelf. We said to all of our makers and the factories we work with, we said... And where, where were you making these at the time? This is in the UK. In, uh, then that first collection was partly in the UK and partly in India. Mm-hmm. And all of that was done with the help of people I'd worked with for years. Yeah. So it was all every favor I could find. But everything was things that existed. So the fabrics that I chose were already on a factory shelf. They were they were going to be wasted, effectively. Right. And we we stopped them going into landfill and turned them <laughs> into a new collection. Um, because I couldn't afford to buy it, but I could afford to take it off someone's hands. Right. Um, and so we we won on both counts. We uh, sold the, a collection based on helping that factory use older fabrics that some other guy had made them buy yeah. and wasn't going to use. So it was a... Uh, that's a genius idea. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's from having, you know, a lot of experience within the industry, knowing that the big guys will make you buy 5,000 meters and sell 4,500 and think they've done a great job. But actually, there's 500 meters lying on the shelf. Which is a lot of clothes. Which is a lot of clothes. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of cost to that to that factory you know that shirt guy suddenly got enough shirts for 250 shirts right and he can't sell it and that's his profit gone right so i gave him a way of making some profit from me yeah but allowed me the time to be able to make it sell it before i had to pay him so it was uh it was it was friends and colleagues that I've known for many, many years with the industry that allowed us to do it. But that smaller capsule collection effectively was because of the inability to make as many pieces as I do now. Yeah. There's definitely this like giving and harmonious nature of you, your life and your clothing. I mean, the sense of you wanting to, I imagine, you know, the sense of you wanting to have other people dress better was, do you think that was from the empowerment you felt from you dressing better as a younger person? Yeah, I think um, the feeling that I had at that fairly young age and not wanting to wear those green corduroy shorts, you know, I want other people to have that. I want other people to feel empowered by it for sure. And I think yeah. clothing can and does empower you. Yeah. I th- I'm, I'm in that sort of strange place. I don't think what you wear is important, mm-hmm. but I think it can be important. So, you know, what's important is what we is is how nations talk to each other how we have you know we respect each other how we mm-hmm. hopefully don't have wars how we solve huge problems that come with medicine and science and right clothing is not one of those important things but it, we all wear it we all look at each other so let's make it better and let's make the world look and feel better and we'll all be happier for it. And maybe right. then some of those other things we'll have a bit more time for and a bit more care for. Yeah. Well, so to kind of jump back to, to Universal Works, what, you know, we met up at your retail store earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
when was retail ever a part of the plan? I mean, because you were saying you'd started just wholesaling. Uh, yeah, I think um, uh, retail was sort of in the background and our thoughts that we would like to have the um, the opportunity to to display what we could do in our own environment. Mm-hmm. But those they're kind of quite expensive things. Yeah, and we thought it'd be a few years down the, down the road really before mm-hmm. that would happen. I guess the background with with Paul Smith, with Maharishi, where retailing was an important part of those brands and showcasing what those brands were really about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always knew that that would be a, a goal of ours to be to have our own stores to show people what we were. Um, but I think we did it much quicker than we expected because a friend happened to have a store with a lease on it he wanted to move away from and open something bigger and said, hey, do this and we'll help you run it. And then he couldn't help us, so we had to do it anyway. And uh, sometimes things just happen for the right reasons. Right, yeah. So we started retailing after a couple of years of the brand starting, probably a lot sooner than we would have expected. Uh, And that worked for us. It helps. Yeah, It helps in the sense that you get a more immediate reaction from the consumer. I mean, you're controlling your narrative too. Yeah, yeah. For sure, you know, and people see what you are about a lot quicker, and you get to find out whether uh, what you're doing is is liked. Is you know, does it fall apart? Does it work? And and I think that's big for us. Really important. You know, you get much closer to the guy that's going to wear it. Yeah, I mean, what happened within your time, and obviously of you making Universal Works, that made you realize, like, oh, this is it. Like, this is really what I'm supposed to be doing. Was there an event or? No, I guess, you know, I I was being honest earlier. You know, I think often I wake up and think, wow, people are still letting this happen. Surely (laughs) someone's going to wake me up or or stop me doing this soon and catch me out that I can't actually do this. But I also think once uh, I, you know, whoever I worked for, I always thought I could do it better. Mm. Not in an arrogant way. Um, I just thought we could do this in a way that was more was more interesting or fairer or uh, cooler or something. There was never there was never something that I thought they've got it absolutely spot on. I think there's a there's a better way of doing this or achieving this or showing this. And suddenly I had the opportunity to do it because you're the guy in charge. You're the guy saying yes or no. Right. So it felt right it felt like right from the beginning it felt like something that i could do and wanted to do yeah on the good days at least (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i mean like to to jump to just the paul smith thing and Mm -hmm. and even so much your life like you were really empowered by others at a younger age i mean is Mm -hmm. that a characteristic that you try to exhibit now with staff and employees that you have yeah i mean i think i was given amazing opportunities um at Paul Smith uh, and then other companies I've worked for. And I've always yeah. been hugely grateful for that. And yeah, because Maharishi we didn't even discuss, which is no. a, an amazing thing. Yeah, and and I still love that brand and I still think they have a fantastic product. And mm-hmm. um, I I am still an ad- admirer of, of, you know, many of the things that they do as w- and, and with Paul's things, of, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to be able to give the same opportunities. I, you know, if there's any reason for us to grow as a company, it's to give other people opportunities to do things. It's to employ people. It's to give 
someone else who's as interested in clothing as I am an opportunity to do something. Right. I do the things I want to do. I don't, I don't ever want to be poor. I've done that, uh, but I don't need to be that much richer. I'm not looking to earn, you know, <laughs> Are you, you're not looking for a knighthood or anything, right? No, I, I don't <laughs> need to be, you know, sir, anyone, um, good luck to the guys that are, but, um, it's, that's not my thing. Um, I would like to grow the business because I think we can make great product and I want to see more people wearing that product. Right. But it's through love of product and, and doing what we do rather than a monetary factor. Right. It's a strange, it's a slightly different angle to it. But I think, as you say, a big, for me personally, it's what's part of the drive to succeed is to be able to offer these opportunities to other people. Yeah. Well, I mean, how... Are, are your folks still around? No. Did they get to see how successful you've become? Oh, I say no. My, I, I, I think I had a very, uh, a very good job working for, for Paul Smith. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's my, already, that's yeah. immensely successful. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was, um, uh, my father died very young, uh, but he knew that I was doing something that I really enjoyed doing. And I think that was, for him, he could see that that was that meant something to me. Yeah, and my mother, who died um, uh, only last year, she was certainly saw the success of the company that that um, my partner have built, and I think she knew that that was um, a uh, a really important thing to me. Yeah. So yeah, to some extent, she she saw the the success that we had. That's. I mean, that's really incredible because I feel like you know especially, you know, knowing that a lot of this came from the fact that you just, you know, wanted to, you know, dress yourself. You wanted yeah. to, you know, yeah, in, yeah. in a way that like she kind of helped create not only this desire that you had, but also having you in an environment where that was, that was okay. And that was valid. That wasn't like, excuse you. No, you don't get that choice. I mean, that's, that's something as a, as a parent now, yeah. I've tried to be, you know, aware of, can you know yes you want to raise a kid but like also i want to make sure that i'm able to have my daughter in a way that she feels empowered and validated where you know she can have those desires that you had that mm-hmm. push them further cuz mm-hmm. i think you know it's interesting cuz as we've been talking you know uh, you're, you're incredibly humble and gracious by all this but i don't really think that this much good luck exists a lot of this has really come from it sounds like your your hard work and the talent that you've that you have. Oh, I think uh, you know you're right. I think you success comes massively from hard work. Yeah, for sure. And and uh, if you have some talent, you've got to make the most of it. And I think you know it's for other people to decide if if the talent's <laughs> there. But for sure, it, I, I'm I'm not afraid to say that it's it, a lot of it's hard work. Yeah, and it's easier to put the hard work in if you enjoy what you do. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I would hope that we, we, we are successful, but I know that we, a lot of it's hard work. Whatever the saying is, you know, 90% of success is turning up. Yeah. Uh, but it's turning up every day and every day and every day and, and consistency and doing it again and doing a good job and continuing to do a good job. And, you know, when you talk to the guys who work in our store, you know, you've got to give, uh, you're in the store for eight hours and, and you can have an hour with no one walking in your store and then the next guy that works in could be the best customer you ever have. Mm-hmm. And you're already like bored or uh, you want to go home. or Sure. 
the consistency of giving everyone good service is hard. Um, and we don't always get it right, for sure, but you have to keep trying to get it right. Yeah. Hard work is is a big, big part of the success, for sure, yeah. without, without doubt. And I think that comes from my parents, absolutely. They were both very hard workers because they didn't know anything else. But I think they also it, they knew it was the right thing to do. Well, yeah, and I would, you know, I'm not going to speak for your family in any way, but mm. they saw that when they did work hard, they, you know, they got results. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and you know, the sometimes you have to be reminded by other people thinking that idea that that what they did was allow me to do to have some of those thoughts and mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, the idea that at some kind of nine year old kids going, I'm not wearing that anymore. <laughs> give me the money, I'll buy it. I mean. Yeah, it's extraordinary. <laughs> um, and but the fact they encouraged me and, and allowed me to do those things is fantastic. And yeah. I, I don't think I appreciated it until I was much, much older. But yeah. they did allow me that freedom. But they, you know, they didn't allow me the freedom to be wild or crazy. I, sure. I was wild and crazy, but I had to do it outside of their <laughs> their view. And you know, <laughs> right. like all like all kids and all teenagers, you, yeah, you do all the mad stuff when your parents can't see you. Yeah, but they were certainly massively empowering, absolutely, and and always supported what I wanted to do, even if it wasn't what they thought was going to be. You know, I wasn't going off to be a baker or a candlestick maker. Right. It, they supported me in this sort of crazy, weird. He wants to do clothing. Was he? Well, that's odd. Yeah. Because it he's wasn't, just taking the fabric from the. It already is yeah, there. What? <laughs> I know. You know, all of those things are so alien to their background, but sure. they were always supportive and. That level of support and um, love, I guess, is what gives you the opportunity, isn't it? You know, you, yeah. you know you've got that support network behind you. Yeah. So, I mean, as as your brand's grown, I mean, it's it's not really just just you anymore. I mean, it's not just like, oh, this no. guy named David who makes clothes. I mean, is that something that you want to continue in terms of like just the size and, and mass of it? Like, do you see, you know, Universal Works being all over? you know, the United States or in other countries? Or... Um, I guess... Uh, I mean, obviously you are in other countries. As a yeah, side yeah. Note. I mean, we, we, we have 200 plus stockists globally now and we're <laughs> in many, many countries, you know, from, from Japan right across um, Europe to yeah. and, and, and the US. Just got our first customer in Mexico. We've just got... Hey, you there know, you I mean, go. All, all those things are fantastic and, and really exciting. The only thing I would say is the original plan to not have a plan still exists. Really? So the so no plan plan is is working well. Okay. Uh, on the basis that plans just get in the way. Plans stop you doing things. If you plan to have six shops and you open five, you're disappointed. You don't open seven, do you? Because you only plan to open six. So I, I would agree with that. So we, we just want to take opportunities as they arise. We don't want to take over the world. We want to get bigger if those opportunities rise in the right way. Right. So we're, you know, we 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 want to be able to continue to make great clothes, and sometimes to work with the right fabric supplier or the right yarn supplier, you need to be a certain size mm. because it's not economical or it's not sustainable. So we would like to use way more recycled materials. I can only do that if I'm a certain size. Right. If I'm too small, I can't even persuade someone to use recycled polyester, not 
old polyester, not new polyester. Right. But if I'm a little bit bigger, I've got more opportunity. So those things help as you grow. But I still like the fact that I know everyone's name who works for us. That's, yeah, and that's pretty that's cool. that's important. Yeah. And, you know, if you, when you don't know their name, you don't know they've got two kids and a dog, then you start losing touch with people. So it'd be nice to try and stay small enough to feel what, uh, or, or have a sense of what they feel about the company. Right. So I want them to be in touch with the company and I want them to feel part of something. And that's much easier when you're smaller, but they also want to get paid. And, uh, you know, they also need a, a, you know, a pension. So all of those things helped by being a certain size. But for me, if you get too big, you just lose touch with it. Yeah. You, earlier you had mentioned recycled materials and that, that is something that obviously you've spoken about before in other interviews. And, you know, I mean, how, how important is that to you in terms of like, you know, being the sort of air quote sustainable and ecological friendly. Uh, I think I mean it's it's very important because it's important for us all, right? Uh, but we also make things, and making things is hard to be sustainable. It's finding ways, finding better ways is something that all companies should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, we make new things. Like none of us need anything. So how does it work? How do we make the planet a better planet and and mm-hmm. not waste things and continue to produce new things? So I think it, partly it needs to be done at a governmental level and we need to be encouraged by our governments to be way, way more sustainable than we are. Mm-hmm. But also individually we can do things. We just have to not pay lip service to, you know, I'd rather use organic cotton than non-organic cotton because I don't want to put pesticides in the planet, but don't kid yourself that organic cotton's not using a ton of water and normal cotton isn't. You know, there's still, there's yeah. still, it's still better to um, think about the whole cycle of things. Yeah. It's still better to not produce so much cheap clothing. Cheap clothing is just the bane of the world's life. It doesn't, we don't need it. You know, we don't need things you throw away after one wear. We need things that last longer and uh, is is a more sustainable option. Yeah. But I know I can't solve things on my own. I can only do the things that, as far as I can for my business. And as, as I said earlier, part of that is actually a little more growth gives me more power to do more things that hopefully I can do for the good, not for the bad. Right. So we, yeah, it's about looking at everything we do. Um, you know, we're constantly trying to reduce our plastic, for instance. But it's really hard to send a new shirt to a guy in Osaka. He wants 10 of these shirts and 10 of those without there being some plastic involved because it's going to go a long way and could get wet. And can he wants so yeah, it's going to go halfway around there. the world. Yeah. But you've still got to keep looking at that to find new ways to do it. Right. So I think trying to improve is the, is the big thing. Um, yeah. And trying to be. Um, honest about it. Yeah. When do you think you would feel that Universal Works is like, like it's it's complete, or is that a feeling you would ever feel? Uh, oh, someone said to me yesterday, or they they just um, were talking about the last sales and the collection. It was a guy that does our selling in Italy, and mm-hmm. he said, "Oh, are you really happy with everything?" I said, "I'm never happy. Uh, <laughs> it's like the collection's never as good as I want it to be." Uh, 
it's not that I I think I've done something that's not good no, enough. It's just yeah. I think I could have done that just a little bit better. Yeah. Well, and, who's the person and, that's that's making sure it's complete then? Uh good question. I think um, Stephanie, the, my partner, who's the other um, director in the business, mm-hmm. you know, the co-owner of the business, is absolutely the person that uh, tells me when I've got it right and wrong more than anyone, for yeah. sure. But I think we're both very pretty similar in the sense that we don't ever think we got it right. We just <laughs> think we got it close and we'll try a bit harder next time. Cool. Well, David, again, thank you so much. It was it, For me, it was an honor to speak with you. I'm, I'm a big fan, so I appreciate it. All right, take care. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Our show is produced by Blamo Media. Our theme music, as always, by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And if you like what you heard, you know the drill. Share the pod with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever it is you're listening to this on. If you're listening to it on Dingledorp, give us a review on Dingledorp. I mean, apparently that is the app to use right now, by the way. It's not true. It's not a real app. But if you want to take the name, you can have it. Uh, If you want to talk to us and give us your hot take, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a message. You can call us. I don't know if you can still find that number. It may not even work. I don't know. I don't know if I paid the Skype bill. But uh, send us an email. That's easier. Send us an email at info at blamopod.com. We are still cooking up new episodes. We will be back soon with all new stuff. In the meantime, uh, say hi to a friend and uh, have a great week. See ya.